0: Yo! Yo! How's everybody doing? Good. Listen, I'm going to get right to it tonight, okay? I don't have time to waste. So, if you got a Bible with you, put it in the air. Yes, good. Look, oh my gosh. You got a notebook, put it in the air. You should be taking notes. You should be. Hey, listen, I believe tonight, well, this series that we're starting this week, uh, Creatures of Habit, has the potential to be the most life changing series of this year. I 100% believe it. I believe this series, starting tonight, could be the series that changes everything for you. And, And the reason I believe this is because I believe that what we believe impacts what we do, and what we do impacts who we become. They are all connected. So what you believe about yourself, what you believe about God, what you believe about people, what you believe about actions and consequences, what you believe impacts what you do, and what you do impacts who you become. I think this series is incredibly important. So I would encourage you even now, maybe, maybe tonight you got drugged here by a friend. Okay, and you're like, I don't want to be here at all, but this friend that brought me, she's really cute, so I decided to come, whatever. I would encourage you, for whatever reason you're here tonight, to see this as an opportunity where maybe God wants to say something to you. God wants to communicate something to you. Because here's the truth, all of us, we live differently correct? We all have kind of our own opinions, our own ways of doing things, whatever it might be, and all of us have certain ways of living our life day in and day out. For instance, I would imagine that for some of you in the room this evening, the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning is you reach for the table next to you and you grab your cell phone and you go straight to Instagram. Am I wrong? I would imagine that some in the room, this is what you do, and probably it's been something you've been doing for a long time. So now you wake up and you don't even think about it. You're just like boom, boom, right to the face, I would imagine that some of us in the room, maybe you ever find yourself chewing your nails and you think to yourself, why do I keep doing this? This is so bad for my nails and my teeth and whatever else. You ever find yourself hitting the snooze bar in the morning like more than three times, be honest. That snooze bar, dude, it's hard. But we've been doing it for a while now. Maybe someone in the room, you're the the person who like waits to the very last minute to do your homework every single time. And you're like, why do I keep doing this? And yet, Sunday's here, and some of you in the room, you're like, as soon as we're done here, I'm going home, and I'm doing something I should have done earlier in the week. Just this week, I saw my four-year-old. He's four years old now. I saw him across the living room just digging for a booger. I was like, whoa, we don't do that. But he's been doing it for a while. We all have these certain things that we do in our life kind of day in and day out. And for some of us in the room, if we're really honest, we don't even think about it anymore. It's just something that happens, it's automatic. And, and some of these things, the, the problem is, some of these things are really destructive. Some of these things are not healthy for you at all. But for some of us in the room, some of these, these habits that we have, they're actually good for us. It's a good thing to have. But some of them, man, we need to do something about them. Because if we're honest, they're killing us. And so for some of us, it's about, yes, beginning to exercise more, maybe saving your money, showering regularly, those are all good habits to have. For some of us, it's about eating boogers, losing your temper. Some of us, it's about being late all of the time. I mean, some of us, we have some habits that need to change. So, this whole series is, is dedicated to this one thought and this one idea. We are all creatures of habit. We are all creatures of habit. And you shouldn't feel bad about it because it's just how it is. You can't really help it. In fact, I believe you were designed this way. God has a, a way of designing people, and the way your brain is put together, and the way that you function, the way that you think, you shouldn't feel bad about it because you were made that way. But the problem is, if we recognize that we're made this way, to have these certain kinds of habits, the question is, what kind of habits are we gonna have? The design of each, every person in here this evening is very, very specific by God, and it's actually really beautiful. Your brain has two specific areas in it that we're gonna talk about over the next few weeks. The first one is called a basal ganglia. Everyone say basal ganglia. That was okay. Basal ganglia. This is located at the bottom of your brain stem. And this is the place, some people say, is the most primitive area of your brain. And people say this is actually where your habits are all stored. This area of your brain, the basal ganglia, is connected to emotions and memories, pattern recognition, incredibly important part of your brain. There's a whole nother part of your brain called the prefrontal cortex. Everyone say prefrontal cortex. Now for some of you in the room this evening, this is still developing, which explains why you spend $100 on Fortnite skins. It also explains why you might eat a whole gallon of ice cream all by yourself on a Friday night. Or maybe why you post certain things on your Instagram or your social media that you shouldn't have post, but you did it anyway. This part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, is is dedicated specifically to decision-making, which some of you in the room, like you're like great at this, not. Okay? Two areas, the basal ganglia, the prefrontal cortex. This is where we make all of our decisions. And, And for you as a high school student, this is still developing. You're still learning how to do this. And for some of us, we're not very good at it yet. We make some bad decisions. But here's the problem. Science tells us that when we make decisions here in our prefrontal cortex, you make the same decision over and over and over again. Eventually, what it does is it creates a groove in your brain all the way back to your basal ganglia. And this is where habits are stored. So what can happen without really even realizing is you do a certain decision, you do a certain thing enough times, then eventually it becomes a habit for you, and guess what shuts down? Your prefrontal cortex. You aren't making decisions anymore, you're just doing it because it's a habit. We are all creatures of habit. And you were designed that way. But if we are designed that way, we have to be very careful in the decisions that we make because what we believe impacts what we do, and what we do impacts who we become. There's a three-part process to this. I wanna show you on the screen. First, you have a trigger, okay? A trigger is something that causes this whole pattern, this whole behavior, this whole habit to get into motion. So a trigger for you might be your alarm goes off in the morning. Maybe you begin to feel unloved. Maybe you're hungry. Maybe you're feeling empty. Maybe it's something you see or smell or hear or something you feel. And so you walk into the kitchen and your mom is making apple pie and you smell it and what do you begin to do? Salivate because it smells so good. But the trigger is the smell. Maybe you hear this one name come up in your group of friends and all of a sudden everyone just begins to gossip about that one person and it happens the same way every single time. But the trigger is that name. Or maybe... Maybe you begin to feel worthless, and so because of that, you're looking for love in all kinds of places. But the trigger is, I don't feel loved by anybody. We all have triggers in our life that there's the first domino to fall. And it begins this cycle, this pattern in our life. It's the trigger. It starts everything off. But then you have the second piece, which is called the response. Everyone say response. So after the trigger, the question is: what will you do next? And the, the response has everything to do with something that's uncomfortable, sad, happy, good, bad, etc. It's like when you go to the doctor's office and the doctor takes that little, like, hammer thing and he hits on the front of your knee, you know, and your leg spasms. He, he's getting a reaction. There's a response to what he's doing. So when that trigger comes, you're going to respond in a certain kind of way. And this response is incredibly important. Because this response is going to determine the outcome of the pattern. The outcome of the habit. So whatever you choose to do, this becomes a groove, a rut, it becomes automatic, it becomes a habit for you that you don't even think about anymore, this response. And then there's a third part, it's the outcome. The outcome, this is the most important part of the entire cycle because the outcome is the thing that you have to, you have to evaluate to decide, should I continue this habit or not? So the outcome could be something really great Like you were hungry, so you got some food, and now you're full. Or it could be something really, really painful or really unhelpful. You felt unloved, and so because of that, you went to this relationship again, and that relationship that you feel made you feel even more empty again, over and over and over again. These habits, these outcomes, are where we evaluate everything. If we're honest with ourselves, is this habit that we have, is it good or is it bad, based upon the outcome? I want to show you a quick little video that you might be familiar with that shows this cycle, this pattern, this kind of habit circle uh, on full display. So check out this video right now. So When this happens in the office, this is hilarious, but for some of us, when this happens in our real life, it's not funny at all because for some of us in this room, we have this habit that we've been doing for a really, really long time. We don't even think about it anymore. It just happens. It's just automatic, and and it's really damaging us, but we, we don't see it because we're so close to it like two years ago, I had, uh, I had procrastinated a bit on a message that I had to give on a Sunday morning. So I came here late on a Friday night to finish my message, to get it done so I could enjoy the weekend, watch the Gamecocks lose proudly. And so I came to the church to come ride it. So on the way, I stopped at the gas station. I was very tired. It was very late. So I decided to walk in. I bought a Red Bull and I bought a granola bar. So that's like late night snack of champions. So I came to the church. I went to my office. And boom, I pounded out my message in like two hours, drinking a Red Bull and eating a granola bar. Now, the next time, it was a couple weeks later, I I had to come and write a message again. And sure enough, I decided to stop at the gas station again. I got a Red Bull, got a granola bar, came here, boom, pounded out a message, Red Bull, granola bar. I'll be honest with you, two years later now, I don't know what it is. but My brain has convinced me now that if I want to write a message, I need a Red Bull and a granola bar. I don't actually. It's just been something I've done enough now that it's become a bit of a habit for me. It's become a thing that I feel like if I'm going to write something the way that I need to, i got to have these things in addition to it. So if we're really honest with ourselves, if we're really, really honest with ourselves, the things that we do day in and day out, the things that we don't do day in and day out, maybe it starts innocently. Maybe over months, though, maybe even over years, it becomes something, if we're really honest, it owns us. In some ways, we can't stop. And, and so maybe for you, it started just with a vape and some friends. It was not a big deal. But now it's become something that's like causing friction in the family. It's become this habit that's a, a major issue. Or maybe it was just one party with some friends you decided to go to. And actually, nobody knows about it. So it's not a big deal, except that it's become kind of over and over and over again. Maybe for some of you, you decide to smoke this thing once with some friends. But now it's become something that's, that's gone further than that. And for some of you, you feel like, if I'm honest, I can't stop. I'm not going to tell anybody that because that means I have a problem. Maybe for you, it was was about looking at porn one time, but now it's become this thing that's happening over and over and over again. It's a habit, and you know in your heart it can cause major issues, not in the relationship just that you're in, but one day if you want to get married. Or maybe it's about controlling eating. Like, I was just going to control this one I was going to eat right here, but now it's become this habit. I I think about it all the time, and it's it's controlling for me. Or I just lied one time to my parents, and now I find myself lying all the time because I have to have that lie to cover up the last lie and the lie before that. Do you see how this can become something that's not just funny, it's actually something that's really damaging? We are creatures of habit, and maybe you feel this way. Maybe you've never told me anybody this, but you feel like this habit's taking my life. I feel like a monster. I feel out of control. I don't feel like myself. I never saw myself being in this location and place that I'm at now, but I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to do this thing anymore, but I can't seem to stop because I've done it for long enough, so if the question is, if you're a creature of habit, here's the big question for the whole four weeks of this series are you becoming the person that you ought to be? If the choices that you make day in and day out cause you to become a certain kind of person, are you becoming the kind of person that you ought to be? The kind of person God wants you to be? The kind of person you really want to be? And if the answer is no, that's a problem. One of my favorite things in the world is to ask little kids what they want to be when they grow up like, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? I've got two little boys. I love asking them that question. It's always the same thing. It's like I'm going to be a fireman, policeman, astronaut, doctor, dancer, whatever it might be, a football player. I want to be all these things. Here's what I find so interesting. Nobody ever says, I want to be an honest person. I want to be a generous person. I want to be a faithful person. I want to be somebody that can be trusted. I want to be a self-controlled person. I want to be an authentic person. I want to be an honest person. These are far more important than the job you'll have one day. And the question is, are the habits that you're developing in your life, will they cause you to become those kinds of people? Or will it be something completely different? If the answer is no, something has to change. Charles Duhigg, he wrote a book called Power of Habit. It's an excellent read. And he says this, The difference between who you are and who you want to be is what you do. The difference between who you are right now and the person that you want to be one day is all about what you do today, right now, the habits that you hold. In the book of Romans, Paul is addressing these people who live in a place called Rome. In fact, Rome was one of the most difficult places for the early church to survive. Because in Rome, you could lose your life for being a Christian. In Rome, you could get persecuted. In Rome, you could get put on a cross so that everybody saw you die, and they would never want to be a Christian ever again. In Rome, it was difficult to be a follower of Jesus. And so Paul writes this letter to the Romans to encourage the early church because people are dying for their faith. People are really struggling. And so he writes these very, very important words to them because he wants them to understand something that could really, really help them shape their life to become the godly people that they wanna be, to say yes to the things they should say yes to and no to the things they should say no to, even in the midst of the most difficult place to be living this kind of life. And he says some really important things, but he focuses oddly enough on patterns and choices, habits and choices. In Romans chapter 12 verses two through three, here's what he says. Can you go to that Romans passage? There you go. "Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see already, Paul's making the connections between the things that we think our mind. And the patterns that we have in our life, the habits that we have in our life, they're connected. And Paul gets this. He says, don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world. For you who call yourselves Christians, you're supposed to look different from the world. But you are are getting right in line with everybody else. Your habits look just like everybody else. The things that you do day in and day out look just like everybody else. Paul says, don't do it. Don't conform to the patterns of this world. And he says, but if you uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you get that? I mean, everybody in the room, I hope, would say, I want to know what God's will for my life is. If I'm a Christian, I want to know what God wants me to do. Paul says, here's the key. Don't conform to the patterns of this world and be renewed in your mind. Think differently than you've thought before. Change your habits then he says this, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Here's essentially what Paul's saying. If you don't want to conform to the world any longer, if you want to change your habits, you want to change your patterns, then you've got to be honest. You have to have a sober self-assessment. Be honest about who you actually are. Here's the real deal. Some of you in this room, you are so good at faking people out about who you actually are. Your parents have no clue. And some of your friends, they have no clue. And your youth pastors who really love you and care for you, we have no clue. You've got us all fooled. But here's the problem. You can't fool God. No, No matter how hard you try, you can't fool God. So have a sober self-assessment. Be honest about who you are, about your patterns, your habits, and renew your mind. Don't look like the world look different from that. You see, our world is so focused on outward appearance, perception, social media, friendship circles, school pressures. And instead of being an actual person, day in and day out, that you always want to be every minute of every hour, you're never, never different, you're always the same. Instead of doing that, it's way easier just to fake it than to be genuine. And so for a lot of us in this room, if we're honest, we're just faking it. We come on Sunday nights because everybody else does, but when we leave this room, it's just, it's just something we do on Sundays. And we fake it the rest of the week. Paul says don't do it. Don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Change your habits. Change the cycle. Change the way that you live. I had a mentor in college named Huli Goddard. And this was a man that I knew in fifth grade, As he was my youth pastor, and then when I came to school at CIU, uh, he was a professor there at the college, and I spent uh, once a week with him, we would go and sit under this tree in these chairs, and we would talk for like an hour and a half, once a week, and he was just mentoring me, helping me through stuff, and he would ask me these really great, great questions about my life, I mean, really centered around this kind of stuff, and I'll be honest with you, for like a year straight, I lied to his face. Every question he'd ask me, I'd give him the answer that he wanted to hear, you know, oh, things are great, things are awesome, so, so good. But truthfully, I was struggling, and truthfully, there was a lot of sin in my life, and truthfully, I was just faking it. And I'll never forget about a year into this, this friendship with him, he asked me this one question. I decided, for whatever reason, for the first time, to be honest with him, to have a sober self-assessment, to be real with him. And so I remember I, I laid it out for him. Okay, like, here's the real deal, blah, 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 blah. And I just, I just threw it all out there. I was terrified at his response. But I'll never forget it. Because as soon as I told him all this stuff, he looked at me and said, Trevor, I love you just as much now as I did 10 minutes ago before you told me all that stuff. And for the first time in my life, I had really experienced grace, mercy, someone who cared for me not because I was doing the right thing or the wrong thing, but just because they cared about me. You see, when when Paul writes this letter in chapter 12, verse 1 that we didn't read, he says this, in view of God's great mercy. Before we talk about anything else, you have to understand God has mercy on you. So you don't have to fake it any longer. You don't have to keep these habits and these patterns that are so harmful. You don't have to do it anymore because your God has had mercy on you. Don't fake it. Be honest. Be honest. And so all of us in the room, what we have to begin to have is we have to begin to have a disruption of some kind. If you want to break the habit, if you want to break the pattern, if you want to break the cycle, there has to be a disruption. A disruption. So for instance, let's just say you have this certain habit, whatever it might be, good or bad, and you do that thing one day. And then you do it again. And again. And again. more times and eventually what you have after you've done the same thing over and over again made the same decisions in your prefrontal cortex over and over and over again you've developed a habit something that you do all the time over and over and over again what you have to have is a disruption you have to have something come in that that breaks the pattern that helps it change and so what we've given to you in your, in your chair is a bit of a, a disruption. If you have a sticker just like this, and don't freak out if you don't have one, we can get you one afterwards, but you should have a sticker that just looks like, just like this. It's a Yeti, it says Creatures of Habit. And what we'd like you to do is we'd like you to create in your life a disruption. We would encourage you, if you have a habit of some kind that you see happening over and over and over again, it's not helpful, it's destructive, I want you to take this sticker, I want you to stick it somewhere to remind yourself, I don't have to do this anymore. I can change my habit, I can change my pattern. Maybe you guys stick it on your phone, or on your notebook, or on your computer, maybe on your mirror, maybe in your car, maybe somewhere in your room. Stick this sticker to remind yourself, I can change these habits. By God's grace, in view of his great mercy, I can renew my mind, and I can change the pattern. Because here's the thing, our God is a God of disruption. This is why God in the Old Testament, he sends this huge fish to swallow this guy, Jonah. To take him away from the places he was going and get him on a whole new kind of track. It's disruption. This is why we have a God who sends an angel to knock Paul off this donkey as he's on his way to kill Christians instead changes Paul's life completely. This is why we have a God who, who has a, his, this Messiah, this Jesus, die on a cross, and three days later, this Messiah raises from the dead. Our God is a God of disruption. And so what I would love for you to do is begin to see the things in your life that are disruption, perhaps as God doing something to help you. So let's go back to vaping, because I know it's like the cool thing to do in the room, not. And, and you've been doing this thing for a while, and all of a sudden, your, your, your mom busts you, and you're like, oh my gosh, mom, please. It's just cooking oil, whatever. But what if you saw, instead of your mom busting you, what if you saw this as God's way of giving you grace and a disruption to change the pattern? What if you got a speeding ticket and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you got a speeding ticket, and you speed all the time. What if instead you saw as God's grace, his mercy in your life to help you to have a disruption, to change the pattern, to change the habit? And what if you have this, this guy that you always go back to in this relationship and you know it's not good for you and you keep going there and you keep going there and finally you have one girlfriend who's like, listen, don't do it anymore. And instead of getting angry with her, you're like, you know what, thank you. I need a disruption. I need a change of habit. I need something to, to change the, the, the pattern that's happening over and over and over again. If you can begin to identify the triggers that lead to your responses, that have an outcome, and that create a habit, you can change the whole thing. Now here's the thing, you can't just stop doing a bad habit and that be it. You have to replace it with something good. You you gotta have a lord, you gotta have a master, and so if you get rid of an old thing, you gotta put something new and something good there. So I would suggest tonight as we close, a really good habit to introduce into your life. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Paul, again, is writing to a guy named Timothy. Now, Timothy is a good friend of Paul, and he's serving in a whole other place in Ephesus, and he's helping these early church Christians live life as well. And Paul's writing to him to help encourage him to make sure he makes wise decisions, has good habits. Here's what Paul says to him. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become co- convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it. And how much from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to keep you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul essentially says to Timothy, listen, Timothy, here's here's the habit I want you to have in your life to help you do all the right things. Study scripture. Study scripture. Now I won't ask for a raise of hands of how many people have not ri- read the Bible in the past month, two months, three months. It might be, might be more than you think. I would encourage you, begin to open up a Bible at your house and begin to study scripture. I didn't say read scripture. I said study scripture. Really dig into what it says. Here's what I've found in my life. When I began to study scripture and I had a sober self-assessment about who I was, I began to see God change my life. Really change my life. And so I would encourage you, just like Paul says to Timothy, listen, Scripture is the most important piece because here's why. It's useful for teaching, to show us how to live. It's useful for rebuking, to show us where we're wrong. It's useful for correcting, to get us back on the right path. And it's useful for training in righteousness so that you can make a difference in the world. Scripture, it's God-breathed, and it's so important so the key is not just getting rid of a bad habit, it's introducing a new one. And maybe the new habit you can introduce is studying Scripture to help give you guidance in every relationship at school and the family and anxiety and thankfulness and all these different places. Scripture could be the best response. Here's my prayer for us. that Scripture would not be um, our last resort. It would be the first response then we would go to scripture first thing instead of being like, I've tried everything else and nothing's worked, maybe I'll try this. A first response, not a last resort. So I don't want to just tell you these things and not give you a very simple way to do this, and so I want to teach you a really simple method called the SOAP method. Everyone say SOAP. S-O-A-P. S-O-A-P. If you've got a notebook, and you should, write that down, S-O-A-P. It's an acronym. It stands for this, scripture Observation, application, prayer. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. So what I want to do with you really quickly, I'm going to show you a passage of Scripture. We're going to read it together. That's our S, Scripture. I'm going to ask you to give me some observations, anything that you notice about the Scripture. Who's writing it? Who's he talking to? What sounds awesome? What questions do you have? Just observe it. Then I'm going to ask you for some applications. Based upon what we observed, what should we do? And then uh, lastly, we're going to pray that God would do that in our life. You ready? Here we go. Get Get your brains thinking. Here we go. This is Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 20. That's our scripture. You can write that down if you want to. The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. So whenever you read scripture, do it three times over and over and over again. We won't do that right now, but you can at home. Take five minutes every morning to do this. Read one passage of scripture three times. Give me some observations. What do you notice about this passage, anything that you find to be cool? Raise your hand. I'll wait, people. Tell me one thing. Yes. Do you realize God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him? That alone is huge. That means if you, don't know what, if you want to know what God looks like, look to who. Jesus. What's it say at the very beginning? The sun is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God looks like, look to who. Jesus. What else do you notice? Give me some observations. Yes. All things, whether things on earth Or things in heaven. Are what? they're held together by him, right? Everything. Think about how crazy that is. Jesus holds all things together. On heaven or on earth, powers, authorities, all of it. Jesus holds it together. What else do you see? What questions do you have? Yeah. Somebody tell me. One more. He's the head of the body, He's the, head of the, body the church. What's that mean? Jesus is in charge, not us. He's the head of the body, the church. Give me some application. Because of what we just said, what does this change for us? What should we do with it? Someone tell me. I'll prime the pump. You ready? Look here. It says this. Firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. You know what supremacy means? There is nobody before him. If you have anything in your life that is ahead of Jesus, guess what? You're wrong. He should have the supremacy. That's the application. Change that. Make him first. Give me one more. Look at the very end. What's the very end said? Somebody's got to tell me something that we can apply from the very end. He died on the cross for us. Do you realize that God has demonstrated his love for us by sending Jesus to die for us, to make peace by the shedding of his blood? God's not angry with you. He's pleased with you. He loves you. Did you realize if you were to take five minutes every morning and just do this scripture, observation, application, and then pray and say, God, would you, would you make Jesus the most important thing for me? God, would you show me that you love me and you love me so much that you, that you had your son die on a cross for me? God, would you show me that that you look like Jesus, one who is loving and caring and compassionate, who heals our wounds? Would you show me that? It would change everything. It's a good habit to replace a bad one. There was a man born in 1860 by the name of Rodney Gypsy Smith. He was a traveling evangelist. He went from England back to America and back and forth sharing the good news of Jesus, and people were becoming Christians left and right crazy droves of people coming to, to follow Christ because of this one man. So some leaders came to him and said, hey, listen, we're seeing revival everywhere because of what you're doing. Will you tell us what's the secret? What should we do? If we want revival, if we want to see change, if we want to see patterns broken, habits that are new, what should we do? And Rodney said this to them. Here's what you do. Take a piece of chalk. I want you to go back to your house and go inside and lock the door behind you. Go in the middle of your floor and sit down and draw a circle around yourself in the chalk and then say, God, I want revival and may it start in this circle first and I won't leave until it does. What if the change that you want to see in this world, what if it doesn't happen out there? What if it happens right here? What if you were to come to God and say, God, bring revival to my life. Bring dead things to life in my life. Convict me of things in my life. Change my life so that I can be a change to someone else's. We are all creatures of habit. We have to choose wisely. We've got to make the right decisions to become the people that God wants us to be. As we close this last song, I'd invite any leaders from the back who'd be willing to come alongside the wall. If you want to pray with a leader tonight and say, here's the real deal, here's the habit that I've got to break, would you pray that God would do it? I'd invite you to boldly stand and go pray with one of our leaders tonight and ask God to make a difference in your life. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray for disruption. I pray for disruption all across this room. I pray that tonight there will be some habits that are broken and some new habits that are formed. I pray for freedom for every single one of these kids in this room tonight. I pray for boldness for them to ask for prayer, to come and speak with an adult and say, God, change my life. God, we pray for revival in Lexington. We pray for revival in every school in this area, and I pray that tonight, God, it would start in the hearts of these students right now. Lord, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.